0: Well, it's been a long time since that's happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, it has been. Um, God, of course it would be on our, like, this episode (laughs) marks us doing this two
0: years. I know. So, listeners, we just had to trash, like, 40 minutes because Uh my mic was plugged into the computer, but for some reason the sound when I was speaking was being recorded by my computer and not the microphone, so... Yeah, that meant it was garbage and we had to throw it all away. So happy two-year anniversary, Tyler, of our podcast. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, we were just so focused on about to drink some wine that we didn't notice. I mean, I couldn't have noticed. It was. It's all on you.
0: <laughs> it's all on me, but you know what? At least I noticed.
1: I mean, God, and we had some great conversations <laughs> about how... You know, I took melatonin and felt like as an adult, and you made fun of me because real adults take Ambien. Then I talked about how I sliced open my hand on a bread knife because I'm still not enough of an adult to know knives are sharp. God, <laughs> it, it was some good stuff, y'all.
0: And then I talked about an office chair that I finally bought, so maybe it's good that's all gone. But you know what? Yeah. I definitely have already opened my wine. Um, I won't drink it right now, but... I'm going to have to stare at this open wine for a bit. But it's breathing. Yeah. It's breathing.
1: Just like all of us. But I still think it's crazy. We've been doing this for two years now. And as we both see, God, it takes more than two years to get it right sometimes.
0: Oh, I feel like we could fuck up if we've been doing it for 10. So, because that's I feel life. like we
1: should fuck up if we've been doing it for 10. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? On the bright side, it being two years also means that it's now my birthday month.
0: No, and no, dude. I mean it is, yes, that is a fact. But you get a day.
1: I get a month. Okay. Gemini season is here or <laughs> it's about to be. I get whatever the hell I want.
0: Oh my god. Um, are you sure you're not a an Enneagram one there?
1: Okay, listen. I don't know what the enneagram is. I have not taken it. All right. Um. So we just took a little little side moment so I could take the enneagram <laughs> test because Brittany kept telling me to take it. She had taken it. And she was like, "I'm a one. I want to know what you are." And Brittany explained what a one is.
0: I'm a control freak. That's yeah, the Brittany's That's the gist freak. of it. And um, I seek perfection and seek perfection in others and try to help them be perfect too and i get annoyed when they're not because i think there are rules and everyone should follow the rules and there's a right way to do things and it's 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 real deep and accurate and i will be totally honest when i was reading it there's a line that's like they see the way to fix things and don't understand why others don't and i'm like what well, i feel attacked i mean that's how i feel but i feel attacked so I,
1: I just have to say that um, <laughs> I think it's so fitting that they put that as number one, because I feel like if they had put it as any other number, you'd be like, okay, well what the fuck do I have to do to be number one? <laughs>
0: damn it you're so mean um well why why don't you tell our listeners what you are and when uh while tyler says this i want you guys to know that his number was my second number like i got 99 on one and 97 on this one so if you're wondering why we're so similar it's this and it's scary but also scary that this um, is your top one a little bit uh
1: yeah so i'm a three and essentially in a nutshell. I'm a Slytherin through and through. Oh my god. Uh, So threes, (laughs) they're defined by their desire to achieve. And they want to advance in the world and will sacrifice almost anything for success. And yeah. And then it goes into things that I don't like. That are like, they'll sacrifice authenticity if it gets them ahead. And I'm like, okay, whoa. I don't (laughs) think I do. That's... Mean, but yeah, so I just got read to filth by like the Enneagram <laughs> test, and it essentially said I'm a sociopath, so
0: and I guess i'm a little offended. I guess I'm just a one percent less of a sociopath than you,
1: so I guess so, but uh yeah, so listeners uh find
0: that uh find the Enneagram test. Oh, there are so many different websites you can take it on, and I think yeah. the one I sent you was like the first I found on Google.
1: Yeah, but it's it's spelled E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Uh, so let us know what y'all are, um, if you're perfectionists or deviant sociopaths who are willing to step on anyone and everyone <laughs> to get ahead in life, because <laughs> apparently that's what I am.
0: Well, and there's also, <laughs> like, this gets really deep, and I'd like to look into it more, but I am a one with three and seven wings, so it's like, one is the top- Three is my second, and seven, which is like kind of like the adventurer that gets bored and stuff, which is totally me. But we're not here to talk about Enneagram anymore. We're here to talk about murder.
1: Yes, we are. Um, (laughs) Also, I think it is important to know that personality tests, uh, they very much have a lot of flaws. I think like the Myers-Briggs test... Very common knowledge how those are, like, skewed and stuff. And also, any personality test is going to be affected by your personal, like, mood and state when you're taking them. Totally. So, I guess, uh, right before I jump into murder, I feel like a ambitious sociopath. <laughs> so, uh, and, anywho.
0: And, by the way, this is Blood and Wine. I'm Brittany.
1: Oh, I'm Tyler. We've technically wow, we... been
0: recording for, like, two hours at this point, so... Yep. Forgot to say that again. Hi.
1: We did. (laughs) Uh, This is us. But I think moving on from there, I want to talk about our amazing Patreon. Yes. And our even more amazing Patreon supporters. That was a weird way of saying it. Like Our Patreon's amazing. It is. Uh, But our supporters are what make it so amazing. Um, And I want to give a huge shout out to Donica Green, who's our newest Merlot Mafia member. And Allie Piper, who's our newest Chardonnay Syndicate member. Hello, Donica and Allie. We are so glad to have you in the family, in the blood and wine family. We really need to find an actual name for what we call our group,
0: (laughs) our people, blood
1: and winers. (laughs)
0: I don't like it.
1: I don't either.
0: Um, While you're at it, also be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Get notifications every Tuesday when our episodes come out. Also follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Play. All the things. We're there. Check us out.
1: Apple Play? Not Google Play. Apple Play.
0: (laughs) Sorry. I meant Google Play. All the things. The plays. All the things. The play buttons. All the, the plays. The triangles.
1: Make sure to hit that like, subscribe, hit that bell notification so you're getting notified whenever we are releasing episodes. We're not YouTubers.
0: <laughs> no. I,
1: we, if y'all have uh, been to our Patreon, if y'all are Patreon supporters, we've done a couple videos in the past, and uh, I, I might be the most awkward person in the world on camera. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands or what (laughs) to look at, especially when someone else is talking. I think I just mostly space out.
0: (laughs) I think I literally look at you, look down, look at the camera, smile, (laughs) make weird things, put my hands in different places. But yeah, so (laughs) uh,
1: I think at the end of the year, last year, or something like that, it may have been the year before... We did a recap of some of our favorite cases. Oh, no, all of our cases. We did a recap of all of our cases and episodes um, that we did in our first year. And um, it was a lot. Uh, but <laughs> if y'all want to watch that and watch us be very uncomfortable on camera, uh, check out Patreon. Yep, <laughs> Patreon. I it back to Patreon.
0: Patreon, where you see us even more awkward than we sound right now. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, anywho, um, I'm just gonna chug-a-lug along into our topic, and for this episode, I wanted to pick something that was just kind of the epitome of the creepy, almost urban legend-type true crime stuff. The places that are just, uh, you're so creeped out, and you don't want to go, you never want to go, but sometimes you have to go there, and you're like, god damn it.
0: (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta go.
1: Sometimes you just gotta go. Honestly, sometimes you just gotta go, because I'm talking, of course, about rest stop murders. Yeah. And um, for our listeners who are not in the U.S. or in Canada, I'm not sure how common rest stops are. I'm sure something like it. But I'm not talking about, you know, truck stops or gas stations or anything like that. I'm talking about when you're on the highway and you see the sign for like, rest stop, last chance to use the bathroom for three hours. (laughs) And you pull over and it's a mix of what looks like a deserted, abandoned, dilapidated campground with uh, one building. Maybe it has lights, maybe it doesn't. There's bathrooms, if you're like lucky and in a very bougie one. There might even be a vending machine. But there's also no one else there. There's a couple semis parked in the distance where their drivers are sleeping. But you're all alone. It's the <laughs> middle of nowhere. It's impossible to go to these places during the day for some reason. You're always there when it's night and creepy. And yeah, it's a perfect setting for murder.
0: Um, I mean, rest stops are horrifying and you never want to have to use them, but sometimes you have to use them. And after this episode, you're going to just keep going until you find that gas station. And hopefully it's one of the ones with the bathroom inside instead of the one where you have to get the key from the guy at the front. And you have to like take it around to the back. And it's those are scary, too.
1: Those are the creepiest. Or after this, you might just keep a big old bottle in your car.
0: (laughs) I was about to say, actually, stop drinking fluids while you're driving. Just wait till you get to your destination.
1: Okay, I'm just kidding. Well, don't dehydrate yourself. That's bad. <laughs> just keep a bottle in your car and maybe a funnel if you need it, and keep on driving.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, rest stops uh, um, creep me out.
1: They, I think they should rightfully creep everyone out. Um, but with that, that's our topic. And uh, as Brittany mentioned, she opened her wine uh, quite a bit ago. So
0: <laughs> I did. Um,
1: I guess. Why don't you uh, tell us about this wine now that it's properly breathed for? a half hour.
0: You know, actually, it is so well aerated that I am truly going to be able to taste this like I have not tasted any other wine we've ever done because we don't properly aerate our reds. But that is true. I decided to take it back to an old faithful. I am doing the 2018 Shroud Mountain Cabernet Sauvignon from California. And it's been a hot minute since I have done a California cab. I feel like I've just been bouncing back and forth between Italy and France, uh, forever.
1: Well, and you've also been on the white wine train.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, all the Sauvignon Blancs. Um, and this bottle, I actually didn't buy it. Um... She stole it. (laughs) No. It was a gift from, um, our mom. She was here a couple of weeks ago, and she brought it for us to drink. We didn't drink it. I didn't give it back. I kept it. And I decided, you know what? I'm gonna do that for the podcast. So... There you go.
1: You know, that doesn't really sound like a gift. I'm just saying someone brings something, <laughs> you never give it back. That's not really a gift. That's a that's a theft.
0: <laughs> Whatever. She is happy that I am featuring her wine that she bought on today's episode. But Okay,
1: Miss Five Finger Discount.
0: <laughs> shut up. This medium-bodied wine boasts flavors of deep plum, ripe blackberry, and a touch of red fruits, you know, like cherry, my favorite. And it's mingled with layers of mocha, vanilla, oak, and some subtle notes of black pepper. So it's basically got everything I love in a cab except for leather. The tannins are medium as well as the acid, so neither of those is going to be an overpowering experience in this wine that's not the word i wanted to use but it's the one that happened um it's Mm -hmm. bold and dry and it pairs really well with beef lamb game such as venison and chicken so basically this wine goes with meat (laughs) Mm. (laughs) um
1: you know what it would go great with uh the mystery sausage that's in like a totino's pizza roll that's like it's a mixture of pork and chicken and beef and children And you're like, "Uh, what's this? The combination, quote unquote. This wine was built to pair with that because it has all the meats. Arby's.
0: All the meats. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You can't get this wine in Arby's. Um, A lot of the people on (laughs) Vivino, they rated this wine between a three and four out of five. So it's a good, like, over average, like, better than average wine. It's like a B wine, we'll say. You know, they're not average. They do make some C's, but they also make some Bs. Just kidding. Um, and this wine is about 50- They're
1: top thirty percent of their class. They're top thirty percent. That's all they need.
0: What of, yeah. It's perfect. Now, this is a really good wine and it runs about $15. So it's, I mean, literally like double what I normally pay for a wine, but um, I didn't buy this one. Like I said, it was a gift from mom. <laughs> so
1: Gift. Yeah.
0: Um, with that, I've already opened it. So there's not going to be any wine pouring sounds here. Maybe I'll pour a little bit more. Let's do a little bit wine sounds. Ooh. Oh, a Tyler pour. Dude, that's not even a Tyler pour. Come on. I know. <laughs> um, okay. Well, now that my wine has been breathing for six hours, what wine do you have?
1: <laughs> well, this is wine that has been sitting on my desk and I've been wanting to drink it now uh, for the past 18 hours that we've been recording. Um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Just going to keep increasing the time. Um so, this one is the Big House Wine Co. Prohibition Red. It's a 2017. It's from California. I've seen the bottle before. It's like a, like a red label with what's obviously an outline of Al Capone. Because it says Al Capone on this bottle like eight times. Oh my god. I don't know about y'all. I don't give any fucks about Al Capone. Or, like, gangsters and that kind of true crime. I don't give a shit if Jimmy Hoffa's buried, like, at the 10-yard line or whatever. I hope he's (laughs) sleeping well. Um, But this one, it is the Bootlegger series, and it is the Al Capone bottle. So, what this is, Prohibition Red. I don't know if I've ever
0: had it before. I don't think so. I don't know. I can't remember. It looks so familiar because I've seen it before.
1: Yeah, well, and also the little uh, bodega next to my apartment, I've kind of had all the wine they have, (laughs) so it might be a repeat from an earlier episode, but it's, if I don't remember, it's new to me.
0: And who knows what you're going to taste this time.
1: True. So this wine, they describe it as so dark, so delicious, so dangerous. Okay, sure. Sure. Uh, But it showcases notes of blackberries and raspberries. It has hints of leather and spices. The palette is very clean and it has flavors of cranberry, rose, and some rhubarb. And then on the finish, it's a very long lingering finish and it has flavors of like vanilla and dark cherry. So very interesting flavor combinations. You know, yeah. when I start reading it, I'm like, oh, it's very much like a cab. Then cranberries, roses, and rhubarbs. I don't know what of uh, other wine that is. It only makes me think of the Bulgariana Gamza that oh, we yeah. had a trillion episodes ago Yeah, that I remember the name because it sounds like Ariana Grande. <laughs> <laughs> That tasted like cranberry juice and was amazing. And I'm looking on the bottle and I don't, I have no idea what it's blended with. So. Wine. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's wine blended with wine. It's a red and it tells me not to drink and drive, which is always good. But, um, yeah. So it says it walks the line between soft and smooth and powerful and vicious, just like Al Capone. And I'm pretty sure the Vinter just really wants to fuck Al Capone, is what I'm gathering from this. Okay. Okay, if you describe someone as soft and smooth and powerful and delicious and walking that line... Oh, sorry, powerful and vicious. If you describe someone as (laughs) delicious, you definitely want to fuck them. But I'm just saying, walking the line between soft and smooth and powerful and vicious... You don't say that about anyone unless you're, like, real into them.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well, you you poured a Tyler Pour. I thought you were taking a drink. Um, no. What does it smell like?
1: Oh, it smells, it's a lot. It's a punch to the nose. Is that you, Al?
0: Mine smells like a wonderful cab, and, oh my gosh, it smells like memories.
1: Well, you know when you, like, freshly pour, um like, a deeper red wine and you smell it, and it's... Almost like too intense or alcohol-y or whiny of a smell that you're like,
0: oh, yeah. hold
1: on. That's that's what I'm getting right now, which means it just needs to breathe a little bit because unlike yours, mine didn't have a chance to open <laughs> up and breathe for 35 days, so.
0: Well, and this one, I'm picking hmm. up on the classic hints of a cab. Subtle pepper, mocha, blackberry. The fruits are definitely hiding they're there though the
1: fruits are hiding (laughs) god it's like the morning after the pride parade okay i can say that
0: yes um you want cheers
1: (laughs) yeah let's cheers
0: all right here's to finally drinking a glass and i mean bottle to
1: the wine true (laughs) cheers cheers oh that's kind of (laughs) gross
0: oh no yours isn't good
1: it's fine it's drinkable um,
0: <laughs> I mean, I appreciate a bold reaction. It's like wine
1: with notes of like clay.
0: <laughs> so it tastes like dirt, but not the dirt you want. Mm-hmm.
1: And it has almost like a powdery texture. That's in my mouth.
0: Gross. Is it sediment?
1: No, it's it's not sediment. Dear God, it's not sediment, and I, <laughs> it's not necessarily powdery. Like I don't think there's actual like powder in the wine. Did someone just pour arsenic in my wine? No, Um, it's fine. I mean, it's one I'm gonna drink. It's definitely one I would prefer it with food. I think we had this like with a nice like meaty cheeseburger, or maybe a steak, maybe even like a pork chop or something. Just some kind of like grilled meat that has those kind of like bitter char to it. I would say would go well with this. On its own, it's weirdly when you first drink it, a very heavy wine, and then when you swallow it, not at all. So it's kind of like you took a sip of a cab and chased it with a pinot noir.
0: Oh, weird! Super short finish. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah it says finish lingers. I don't, I don't really see that, but <laughs> you know, it's it's not bad. I'm gonna drink it. Uh, interesting, but it was also ten dollars at the bodega, so you could probably find it closer to eight most places and that feels about right
0: this one the chocolate is screaming at me (laughs) um it's sweeter and again i say that i was curious to see what my palate thought of a cab because it has been a while since i've had one so it definitely feels a little bit sweeter to me i'm picking up on that mocha and vanilla with the oakiness but it definitely has these little laces of pepper that are throughout, and I really get that nice fruit, you know, of the blackberry and the plum. Not getting a ton of red fruits. Um, maybe if there's anything and be more of like a dark cherry, uh, because it's sweeter, dark cherries, you know, sweeter. It's a really good wine. I can see why this one would pair very well with a lot of different meats. Because if you remember, Tyler, in our bottle talk episode, when we talked about Cabernet Sauvignon and you talked about how the wine gets the meat fats and all the <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever it was. But it basically yeah, like meat fats. <laughs> how wine gives you meat sweats. No. um, Ugh. What was it? Do you remember enough to describe what I'm talking about?
1: it's the, the tannins in the acid um like tannins attached to the fat molecules or something <laughs> it's magic it's you know what it's magic when wine happens with meat it's magic that's a, that's all you need to know
0: it's wine and meat babies in your mouth <laughs> uh, god
1: Little steak grapes
0: <laughs> okay but this wine is it's really good the end no it's kidding okay no no, no. <laughs> i have to be, i have to be better i have to be
1: perfect oh well, i just want to be a star and i'll do it however i have to
0: <laughs> and if that means muttering you then so be it sibling on o, sibling. i've
1: muttered before lizzie taylor
0: are you a man or <laughs> that was my
1: like audrey hepburn You're
0: shaking your boobs did you have like the little tassels on them yeah <laughs> This is a really good cab. I recommend it for sure, especially if you like. (laughs) Just gonna gloss
1: over. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, how do I follow up on that? Um, Yes. Yeah, fair. Get this cab. Good cab. Drink wine. Yum. Okay.
1: I will say, um, I do recant my earliest statement. I'm pretty sure when I first drank it, I was like, oh, that's gross or that's (laughs) weird. I don't remember what I said. Pretty sure Um, you
0: screamed, that's gross. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I recant that because now that it's had time to breathe, it's not my favorite. But that cranberry <laughs> flavor is coming through, and it's much more tart. Remember um, when
0: you spit the wine back in the glass? That was gross.
1: <laughs> yes, that was that was bad. If we're on a scale of one to ten, that being what defines a one, th- this is this is a solid six. I was about to say six. six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's now that it's had time to breathe, it's not bad, which I should have known. I mean, with cabs, I feel like almost any cab straight out of the bottle that you don't let breathe is not going to taste great.
0: But you're not drinking a cab. You may be drinking partially a cab.
1: Well, it's a blend. I'm guessing I'm sure it's it has pretty cab. cab heavy. Yeah,
0: I'm sure it's cab
1: Anywho, uh, that is our wine. Uh, we've talked long enough about wine. Brittany, I want to hear about your rest stop murder.
0: The case I'm doing today is the murder of Kimula Henson. The sources I used, an article from Ranker by Erica Marie, an article in the LA Times from the Associated Press, an article from the Associated Press by Stephen Dubois, an article from The Charlie Project, and an article from ABC News Go by Dean Shabner.
1: Oh, I don't like that one of your sources, The Charlie Project, because uh, I I think that gives me an idea of one of the directions your case is going to head into.
0: Yeah, I honestly had trouble deciding what to title this one. So there's that. Kimula Henson was 21 years old. She was a mother of two, and she lived in Portland, Oregon. She lived with her boyfriend, and in some sources, it did call him her ex-boyfriend. And he was also her daughter's father. His name was Stephen Kirkpatrick. Kimula was planning a two-week trip with her daughters, two-year-old Shayna and four-month-old Sasha. She was taking them to British Columbia, but first she needed to stop off in Sacramento to pick up her birth certificate. Which is not really a stop-off, by the way, considering she's in Portland. Portland,
1: I know, Portland all the way down to Sacramento and then literally just back up the five.
0: Yeah, to British Columbia. So, not wanting Kimula to travel alone with her two daughters, one of her longtime friends, Christina Mayer, who was 24, said that she and her husband, Curtis, who was 28, they would keep the family company. So, they were going to go on this trip with Kimula and her two daughters.
1: So, now it's the five of them on this trip.
0: Yeah. Steven, though, he was not a big fan of this whole trip idea, and he wasn't going to be joining Kimula. I don't know why again like i said i read some sources that said he was an ex-boyfriend so that could be why but he thought it was really weird that kimula was going to go on a two-week trip with a friend that she had not seen in years and her friend's husband who she'd only known for a week i guess i
1: could get where he's coming from no but i don't know if they're lifelong friends that's not weird
0: well they've known each other for a long time four plus years and there'd been some time in between when they had seen each other last, but Christina and Curtis—they had made a surprise visit to Portland the last month, and they spent a week in town and said they were thinking about moving into the area. So it's like Christina is coming back into Kimula's life, which honestly, sometimes is great to have an old friend just come back into your life. Uh, yeah. Other times it's not so much, but in this situation. A- and I- And in this, but in this situation, Kimula is really excited to have Christina back and is looking forward to this trip. Kimula told Steven that she'd be back for Shayna's birthday. And that was only a couple of weeks away. And that was when she was going to turn two. So on April 4th, 2001, the five of them left and they successfully picked up Kimula's birth certificate. On April 5th, Kimula checked her family into a motel near Redding, California, And this was the last time the Hensons were seen alive. Oh, Kimula's 60-year-old mother actually died two days after she and her daughters left on vacation, and her family was unable to reach her to break the news. They couldn't get a hold of her. Stephen said this wasn't necessarily uncommon, that sometimes when she was out on an adventure and having a great time, she was not very responsive, but her mother passed away and no one could get a hold of her.
1: Yeah, that's suspicious that she's not even able to get a hold of for something that big.
0: Yeah, because you know they called more than once trying to get a hold of her, trying to share this news because she needed to come home. Her mother passed away.
1: Yeah, well, and I guess it's 2001, so she probably has a cell phone.
0: Yeah. 16 days later, on April 20th, at a rest stop in Collier County, Florida, Curtis and Christina Mayer were found shot to death with gunshot wounds to the head. In Florida? In Florida, the complete opposite side of the United States. A rifle was found near their bodies, and their car was parked nearby. Investigators determined that Curtis killed Christina before he shot himself. And police, seeing like this very bizarre situation, they started searching the trash cans in the rest stop for clues. And this is when they came across oh. a ripped-in-half copy of Kimula's birth certificate. So this is how Kimula comes into play. You know, it's her car, their bodies, their dead, her birth certificate. Then they also found some letters that Curtis left behind, and it detailed the couple's plan to steal Kimula's birth certificate. Apparently, Christina had assumed Kimula's identity in Las Vegas shortly after they met up with Kimula and her daughters in Oregon. And when police further searched the car, this is when they found Kimula's wallet and credit cards, as well as some literature that was related to Satanism and a diaper bag. And this diaper bag was the only sign of the missing children. Even their car seats were gone. So a couple of the sources I read also mentioned a bloodstained hatchet that was found in the car. When the blood was tested, it matched Kimula's. But neither of her daughter's blood was present on this weapon, so the sheriff's office in Collier County, Florida, scored the area hotels and campgrounds looking for Kimula and her daughters because they weren't there. It was just Christina and Curtis's bodies that were found, and Kimula's personal belongings in the diaper bag. But these other three completely missing. Authorities at this point did not consider Kimula a suspect in the deaths of her traveling companions. But they wanted to find her and they wanted to talk to her. But it clearly was looking like they set her up for something and then had this weird murder-suicide pact, which seems pretty bizarre to go through all of the trouble of stealing her identity, somehow getting rid of her and her daughters, just to go murder your wife and kill yourself at a rest stop. Yeah. Thousands of miles away, in a desert near Reno, Nevada... On April 29th, so a week after the mayors were discovered in Florida, police found the half-buried body of Kimula Henson. She had severe trauma to her head and had been shot to death. Her body was found near a rest stop by a motorist who pulled off of a a two-lane highway near Pyramid Lake about 37 miles north of Wadsworth, Nevada. And nothing in her death seemed related to Satanism or ritualistic murder, which was something they were looking into because of the literature that was found in the car that had maybe belonged to someone in that car. Two-year-old Shayna and Sasha were nowhere to be found, and so rescuers started searching for them. They searched, including dogs and a helicopter, covered more than 200 square miles, and there was no sign of the girls. So officers were hoping maybe this meant they were still alive. Their car seats and birth certificates were missing, which really left authorities to believe that they were either murdered, abandoned somewhere to die, or maybe given over to someone as orphans or possibly sold. Investigators started piecing together as much information as they could, because at this point, they've got three dead adults and two missing children, And it's happening all across America on opposite sides of the country. We've got like Nevada, California with the birth certificate stuff, Oregon where they lived, all the way to Florida. So as it turns out, the man that everyone knew as Curtis Mayer was really a guy named Frank O'Ring, who was a fugitive who was wanted in Missouri for the attempted murder of his first wife through strangulation and for failing to appear for a March court date.
1: Oh, okay. Is Christina Christina? Did Christina know? Your case is confusing.
0: (laughs) It is. Christina is Christina, and Christina knew. Frank was believed to be affiliated with satanic worship activities. His ex-wife said um, that he was the leader of a group of satanists in Missouri, Any possible connection with Frank's satanic beliefs and the death of Kimula Henson and the disappearance of her children hasn't been established. Like I said, nothing in Kimula's death looked to be ritualistic or associated with anything satanic. So that could just be one of those details of Frank that that is just a thing, but it has nothing to do with Kimula's death.
1: Well, and honestly... So, Redding, California, was the last place they were seen, and or last place they were known to be alive. Kimula's bodies found nearish Reno, Nevada. Christina had been pretending to be Kimula in Vegas. I mean, if you're going Redding to Florida by way of Vegas for some reason, you'd pass through Reno. I mean, that would just be on the way. So, maybe they were just, you know, part of the way into this kidnapping her or whatever, and then murdered her. I'm hoping dropped the kids off in Vegas and was like, Grandma, you have to take care of these kids now. It was Kimula's last wish or something.
0: Well, it's believed that Frank and Christina saw an opportunity to steal Kimula's birth certificate so that Christina could take over her identity. Christina was actually not Frank's... Wife, it was she was his girlfriend so that whole thing about him even being her husband was also part of their fictitious story and from april 6th through the 9th two of camila's credit cards were used in nevada and then continuously used for gas and food purchases during their trip east towards florida The Collier County, Florida Sheriff's Office verified that Christina did obtain a fraudulent Nevada identification card that depicted her as Kimula because she used the birth certificate. You know, birth certificates don't have photos, so she said she was Kimula. They take her photo, give her a license, bada bing, bada boom. After that, the trail is composed mostly of credit card receipts from gas stations, motels, restaurants, through April 9th. So they have three days worth of... They're clearly traveling. They're they're stopping at places that either require gas, food, or lodging.
1: Oh god, but I feel like if the kids were with them, motel owner would
0: have seen... Like,
1: someone would have seen them.
0: The trail winds through Utah, Colorado, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Florida, which led to the Bloody Inn at the rest stop near Naples. But what the criminal couple did between California and Florida can only be speculated about, and where the girls were left between Oregon and Florida remains a mystery. Authorities believe that Christina and Frank traveled to Florida alone in April, so they don't think the girls were with them at all during that time. Like you were just saying, someone would have seen them, So they don't think they were there. Motel receipts also indicate that the girls were not accompanying them at the time. And Shayna and Sasha's car seats have never been recovered. And like I said, their birth certificates are missing. Authorities don't know if Christina and Frank harmed the children, sold the children. But to this day, Shayna and Sasha's cases remain unsolved. And with frank uh killing christina and then himself any true motives that they had other than he was trying to escape his life in missouri and they were trying to change their identities other than that there's no real answers um i feel like there are a lot of holes in this because like steven saw them knew them spent time with them so maybe their whole murder-suicide was always a part of the plan. I don't know. But this maybe this begs my earlier thing that I said, like, why go through all of this just to end in murder-suicide? I don't see the point.
1: No. My one thought I can kind of cling to is that if the girls' birth certificates weren't found, that to me, if their plan was just to, like, drop the girls off in the woods to die or to kill them or whatever... You wouldn't need to even think about their birth certificates.
0: That's true. But
1: if you were going to like give them to a family friend or even a stranger and be like, "You have to raise these girls," or whatever, you know that that's the only time I can think that birth certificates would be involved.
0: Well, and one thing that is really interesting about this case in general is the fact that Kimula was going to Sacramento for her birth certificate in the first place. It's almost as if someone told her, maybe Christina and Frank, that she needed it to enter Canada, which is not the case. You need your passport. So that whole birth certificate path is really questionable. And we don't really understand why Camila thought that that was something she needed to do before going on this vacation. So it sounds like that was a part of the plan Because Christina and Frank needed it. So Christina could assume Camilla's identity and get the ID. So this whole horrific story can happen. But what's really horrifying about this is everything. But also that it involves rest stops on opposite sides of the country. And I I hate that because it shows that this is such like a traveling thing. They crossed the country. They were in so many different states. And... It's horrifying to think of how many rest stops they were actually at the whole yeah. time. And how it seemed like it was their, I don't know, like their death thing. That sounds stupid, but like, they left Kimula by a rest stop and then they did their murder-suicide at a rest stop.
1: I wonder if, if they did murder Shayna and Sasha, if they murdered them at a rest stop somewhere in between.
0: Well, and that's what is so heartbreaking is that Because they crossed so many different states and such a wide distance, we don't know where those girls are. And we just, we don't know. There's nothing. There's never been any evidence that has has been found to lead towards them to answer any questions. It has just been a cold case basically since the moment Christina and Frank's bodies were found and the diaper bag was all there was. All right, well, that is my horrific multiple rest stops and multiple murders and suicides and questions and cold cases story. So what is your rest stop murder?
1: My rest stop murder case is the murder of Jane Snow.
0: Jane Snow sounds like a fake name, like Jane Doe. I know it just rhymes with it, but...
1: Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking, too, when I was I was like... Oh, damn, is it not someone who's known? Oh, no, it's just the name Jane Snow. Yeah. It sounds like Jane Doe. It's her name. But the sources that I used, an article in Ranker by Erica Marie, I used a Reddit page on the Unsolved Mysteries Reddit, um, an article, or I guess a forum from Web Sleuths about Jane Snow. Uh, yeah, I had to go deep into these kind of sources.
0: <laughs> yeah. Going through the threads, which honestly, you can get so lost on Reddit in some of these threads. Oh. oh my gosh.
1: Oh, the Unsolved Mysteries Reddit? Oh my god, yeah. Um, I also used a YouTube video from Daryl Turcott and then an article in Listverse by Robin Warder. So on May 15th, 1979, Jane Snow is 31. She's a nurse, she's a mother of two and she leaves her house in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She's bringing along her two sons who are 8 and 9 years old, and they're going to take a trip to visit her parents in Escanaba, Michigan. And one of my sources said that it wasn't just like a trip to see her parents, she was going to like start a new life. Oh. Um that source also mentioned that she had like the family cat in the car and stuff, but that was kind of the only place I saw that, so I'm not sure if it was just a vacation or if it was um, her like moving their lives.
0: So, you know, one thing that I found interesting and what I can tell is a theme throughout both of our cases is that rest stop murders seem to leave a lot of things unanswered, where when people are traveling, when they're on the go what they're doing, where they're going, and why they're going are not always crystal clear. Like, that, there are always questions. And especially, like, in my case, if Christina and Frank were trying to find a new life, steal identities, and if Jane is trying to start a new life, we don't have all the answers because these people are no longer here.
1: I mean, yeah. Well, kind of. I don't know, because I was just thinking, like, making up a scenario in my mind. If, like, I was murdered at a rest stop between here, between Austin and Dallas, you know, what would the, like, what happened would be. But there's no situation, for me at least, where my best friend is taking care of Max and the cats, so she would know. I would tell you, or even if... I was going to surprise you for some reason, which that's a dick move. Be like, Hey, I'm here. Sorry (laughs) if you were going to have company or do anything. I'm visiting. (laughs) Um, Or I feel like the like logical conclusions and like leaps of logic you'd make would not have to be that hard. But you know, if I didn't have pets and I was going to just surprise you because I'm a dick, then yeah, you know, it's like, okay, why was Tyler in Waco? At this weird ass gross rest stop.
0: Well, multiple comments. Number one, if you were to surprise visit me, it would not be a dick move right now because I haven't seen you in forever. So it would be welcomed. Number well, two. Okay, fair. Number two. If you were found in Waco, obviously you were headed north, so you were either coming to Dallas or Oklahoma City. So the thing is, we can't put ourselves into this. I'm I'm saying like along the lines of We've had multiple cases that involve rest stop murders and also people of transient lifestyles. Not that either yeah. of these cases are that, but there are areas of mystery when people travel. Not everyone you know, is as like communicative and basic as we are, just driving up and down I thirty five.
1: True. Honestly, but if I was murdered between here and El Paso, ew, God the worst place to be murdered that's <laughs> the surface of the moon and i was like that's you, like odessa texas
0: <laughs> you're um, murdered in the desert exactly Ugh. that would be a where was he going and then i would start being i like, wanted
1: to find the high school that the cheerleader from heroes went to in odessa Duh.
0: oh i was gonna say maybe you're doing something cool like driving to vegas or marfa
1: Ew! i'm not driving <laughs> to vegas and I'm not driving to fucking Marfa, because I don't give a shit about the Marfa Lights or the weird empty coach store that's, like, an art installation.
0: Dude, Prada. I would go
1: for, like, the... Oh, Prada. Okay, I'm sorry. The unmanned art installation may be an actual Prada store in the desert. I would go to Marfa, though, for, like, the actual like art stalls and like flea market stuff that'd be fun but i'm not going to because it's like a 12 hour drive and it's in the middle of the desert and regardless my case takes place in michigan not texas so this trip that jane is taking with her sons it's about a six hour drive and about two hours into the drive the three of them they need a bathroom break It's in the evening, so they stop off at the Loon Lake rest area that's near Gaylord, Michigan. And it's, again, one of those typical rest areas that's just a couple bathrooms, a couple picnic tables.
0: Mm. That's it. Yeah. You know one thing that's really interesting to me? Why there are picnic areas without rest stops? Like, why just have picnic tables? I feel like you should always have a toilet And no bathroom? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's weird.
0: Those have always been weird to me, and I'm like, I'm not going to literally stop on the side of the road to eat at this picnic table. There's, like, two or three of them. That's it. And, like, one trash can. I'm just saying, these places are creepy.
1: Well, I'm like, also, if you're going to put in the money to build some, you know, a parking lot and some picnic tables, put a small bathroom there, please.
0: Well, but the thing is, if you think about it from an actual, like, logistics standpoint... A picnic table. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting at.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But yeah, they, well, they're not stopping here to dig a picnic. They're stopping here to go go to the bathroom. So Jane, she runs off to the uh, women's restroom. Her two sons go to the men's room. And they're also the only car there at the rest stop. And it's right off the interstate. I think I-75 there in Michigan. And so her son's. They finish up, they come outside, they're like waiting on their mom. She's still in the bathroom, and they're eight and nine. They're bored. So they go, they're like playing in the grass. They go over to this like little wooden fence that kind of separates the rest stop from the lake right there. And they're just dicking around, being kids, playing.
0: It's really horrifying to think about them playing alone. Like just, I don't know, that makes me uncomfortable. Basically on the
1: side of the road. Yeah, I'm yeah. really
0: uncomfortable with that. Because obviously, you know, they were just going to the opposite men's and women's rooms, do their thing, and they were going to come back. So the fact that she's not there and they had time to go and, like, play in the grass and play by this fence, that's pretty alarming.
1: Yeah, it is. And one of the boys got impatient. It'd been long enough. And he's like, where the fuck is mom? So he goes into the women's room to check on his mom. And in the bathroom... He finds Jane, she's laying on the floor of the bathroom, she's covered in blood, and she's been stabbed 23 times.
0: Stabbed? Stabbed. By who?
1: That's the question. Because the boys never- there was no other cars there. What? The boys never saw anyone else go into the bathroom, leave the bathroom, and, I mean, boys- especially little boys who are probably not washing their hands like they should, are going to be in and out pretty quick.
0: Yeah, like 60 seconds tops.
1: Yeah. A lot shorter than the time it would take to stab someone 23 times.
0: So whoever this was, was either waiting in the bathroom, or immediately, or was like hiding and like immediately went in after the boys went into the boys room. Or the men's room. Yeah.
1: Yeah so her sons they run to the highway to the interstate and they flag down the first vehicle they see because their mom's attacked and dead on the floor and they need help so they they run to the interstate to flag a car down
0: you know i will say i love that they knew to do that which yeah. i guess they're 8 and 9 they know other people are on the road and
1: yeah and what they're third and fourth graders and
0: what else do you do that's Pretty Mm -hmm. much your only option, because this is, what, in the 70s? Like, there's no cell phones.
1: Exactly. So the first car that pulls over, they flag down. The driver picks them up and takes them to the closest police station for them to tell the police what happened, what they saw. And again, they told the police they never saw another person at all in the entire area.
0: Did this person that picked them up and take them to the police station at least go to see if what they said was really true. It seems weird for someone to just pick up two kids without verifying?
1: It's also 1979 and you're taking them to the police station.
0: You're right. So Two young boys randomly run up to you from a rest stop on the highway. You take them to the police. I get it.
1: Especially if they're like, we need to go to the police. So um, I don't know if the driver was like, yes, I fully believe you. Or if it was like, okay, you want to go to the police? Also, y'all need to go to the police station. You're two, like, lost children.
0: Yeah, but the other thought is, how would someone pick two boys up off the side of the road that had just run from a rest stop, clearly, without double checking that their parents weren't at the rest stop and they weren't lying. That's all I'm saying.
1: I mean, yeah, but also with those rest stops, the ones that you like exit in off the highway and exit out up ahead, if this if they flagged down the car past that oh, entrance, true. how are they gonna get to the well, rest stop?
0: Whatever the case is, this person was such a good Samaritan to pick them up and take them to the police. Yes.
1: Yes, they were. Um and the kids, they told their story to the police the police instantly get there, and they they search everything, they find her body, but they never found a murder weapon, or really anything. A little bit down the road, like less than a half mile from the murder scene, on Interstate 75, a state trooper, at about the same time as this is happening, a state trooper picks up this guy, John McGowley who's hitchhiking. And the trooper picks him up, notices that this guy has markings and scratches on his hands. But oh the trooper God. is not yet aware that a murder happened or anything. So he drives McGauley to his destination, drops him off, but he does take down his information because he's like, Something, something's not right here. Something's not adding up. Um, again, and this is for this police officer knows anything, or this state trooper knows anything about the murder that just happened.
0: Oh my god, did he do it?
1: Well, after the murder, Magali was questioned about her death, and he was pretty much the only suspect they had. Yeah. You know, they have this guy that, about the same time, a little bit after the murder happened, is just a half mile away hitchhiking on the same interstate, has some scratches on him. So they're like, maybe this is our person? So they pick him up, and he tells them that, you know, the evening this happened, he was at a bar, and at the bar he got in a fight with his wife. He stormed out of the bar and left her there. And so that's why he was hitchhiking down the road. What? And he was wearing a shirt that had blood stains on it. And so they tested it. But the blood didn't match Jane's. What? And his story of being at a bar down the interstate and getting in a fight with his wife and leaving. And that's kind of how he got roughed up and all this. It checked out.
0: Oh my god. Talk about this is an example of circumstantial evidence at its finest. Or at its worst, however you want to look at it. Because this sucks. Like, for his sake... Sounds like he didn't do it, so I'm glad he wasn't accused of it. But we still don't know who did this to Jane.
1: Exactly. And Magali, because of all this, he was never arrested. But he was their only suspect. That's it.
0: Well, again, these traveling things. How do you have suspects, really?
1: I mean, yeah. But without him, the the case went cold. One thing I did want to note that uh, someone on... I believe it was Web Sleuths, mentioned, was a double murder that happened that was fairly similar just across the border in Canada. Oh. So, this is in the town of Blind River, Canada. And in 1991, it made headlines and was really famous because of a double murder that happened at a rest stop there off of the Trans-Canada Highway. On June 28th of 1991... And again, this is 12 years or so after Jane Snow's murder. Right. So in 1991, this unknown assailant, he walks up to this elderly couple's motor home. Gord McAllister, uh, who's 62, and his wife Jackie is 59.
0: Dude, I almost did this case. Really? Yes. It was like the second one I was about to pick. So sorry, I didn't mean to scream at you. I almost did this one and how weird would that have been if ours had a connection because we always had connections and we almost had another.
1: This that would have been a big connection. Yes,
0: it would have. I would have
1: interrupted you in the middle of yours and been like, Whoa, 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 hold the fuck on, hold on.
0: <laughs> what are you doing? Don't That's say it. part
1: of my case. <laughs> you
0: can't say this. That's my ending.
1: <laughs> Basically. Okay. Um Okay. S- sorry.
0: So tell tell this case. Yeah, go for it.
1: Yes. So this unknown guy he busts up in this motor home where Gord and Jackie are sleeping. It's at a rest stop just off the highway in Canada. They'd been driving, traveling, doing their thing, and had pulled over for the night to catch some sleep in their motor home. And also while this is happening, there's this other guy, 29 year old Brian Major, who's just a bystander who had just like pulled up and was also there. So, this assailant, he gets entry into their motorhome. He's posing as a police officer, and he shot both Gord and Jackie, and then when he left the motorhome, that's when he shot Brian, who was just the bystander. Jackie and Brian died of their wounds. Gord did survive. So, this case in 1993, it was on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and while no one has ever been charged in the murders there was a suspect ronald glenn west he was a former toronto police officer who'd been convicted of two rape and murders in toronto in 1970 oh yeah he was also convicted of a series of robbery assaults in south saint marie in michigan in 1995
0: dude was a dirty cop
1: yeah dude was a monster he was finally caught and charged in these rape and murders and these robbery assaults and he received two life sentences um and i think to this day he's still in jail but he was a suspect in the murder of jackie mcallister and brian major and this rest stop murder happened just on the other side of the border from jane snow's murder
0: well and he was active in the 70s and the 90s so the the year yeah. gap is not it's not inhibiting the possibility of that he's responsible for all of this stuff
1: yeah but i don't know if this is just a kind of an armchair detective sleuth web sleuth theory right or if he's an actual person of interest even i don't think so oh my god but Jane's murder has remained a cold case for over forty years now, and it still remains one of the most controversial, unsolved murders in the state of Michigan.
0: I just feel so bad for those boys
1: I know who found their mother their mother stabbed to death.
0: I can't imagine something more horrific to stumble no, upon
1: me neither, but yeah, that is my case. that is the murder of Jane Snow.
0: Rest up murders, dude. They're too much. mm-hmm well, are you ready for post mortem
1: uh, ready as I'll ever be <laughs> That's so a tr- I think true statement, yeah, so let's jump in all right Postmortem. so when you were saying your case um and going through all the crazy twists and turns, I was like this is this is Brittany brought the more intense case, but I just cannot get over in mine these two young boys eight and nine finding their mother's body they're 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 on a family trip to see their grandparents and finding their mother's body stabbed to death 23 times in the bathroom
0: so while i while i will agree that is horrifying my case had the whole thing of like her really good friend being this liar who actually had a felon for a husband and they tricked her and and like they joined her trip and they tricked her into getting a birth certificate and they murdered her and did only god knows what with her daughters and then stole her identity and then drove across the country and then murder suicide
1: i mean yours definitely had a lot more like what the fuck twist and turn moments but i don't i don't think that Necessarily makes it more intense. I mean, for me, the intensity, the intense thing of your case, the others are like mystery, like, whoa, what's next? What's going to happen? But really, the intense part of your case is the the two baby girls disappeared.
0: Well, and that's what it is. This is really a comparison of what is more intense. These two babies, these two baby girls that we don't know Where they are, what happened if they were abandoned, sold, murdered? We have no idea. Or if these two young boys seeing their mother's murdered body and discovering it and having to run to the highway, you know, what is more intense? And as I said it, I think I just got it.
1: Yeah, I think for me, because of the the two baby girls, Shana and Sasha, there's that chance that they're alive, living their life happy and don't know who... They are.
0: Best case scenario, though.
1: Yeah, but in my case, we know for a fact that these boys, eight and nine, found their mother's body basically butchered. We know that happened. And also, the big mystery in my case is who this killer was. I mean, it's almost like they were a ghost. Like, there were no other people there when they got there. The boys not only never saw anyone enter the women's restroom of their mom or leave the restroom, they never heard their mom's screams, never heard her getting attacked.
0: That's true.
1: That piece of the mystery of not only who did this, but how did they do that in that time frame? I mean, for me, the only thing that makes any kind of sense is that if she was stabbed while they were... Like playing in the grass, but looking at pictures of the rest stop, the grass and the fence and stuff, it's not that far away.
0: Right. You know? So, that was a good way of putting it. It was literally like a ghost did it.
1: Honestly, regardless of everything, I can't get over them finding their mother's body. That for me makes my case more intense.
0: Well, and I like to believe that Shayna and Sasha are alive. And that they were dropped off somewhere because of the what you said about the birth certificates, that those would only be needed if they were alive. And yeah. so that's best case scenario. Yours is literally two boys' worst nightmares became their reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, your case at least has the possibility of a best case scenario. There is no best case scenario in mine.
0: That's a, that's a damn true statement, which is... I agree. Yours is the more intense case in this episode. Fuck. Okay. Dude, this episode. Wow.
1: I know. Uh, I knew rest stop murders would bring a lot because it's just, I mean, it's basically like haunted house murders. It's that kind of like horrifying place you don't ever want to go to that is creepy regardless. But, I mean, with rest stops, you gotta go
0: well to them and when you were describing the topic earlier before you said rest stops you're like the creepy place no one wants to go it automatically sounded like you were talking about a haunted house and this is like a Mm -hmm. oh god have you seen those haunted houses where they have like the different rooms and it's like creepy shit one of those creepy fucking rooms is always a bathroom looks like a fucking rest stop
1: yes it's always a yes uh i hate haunted houses That is not my idea of fun. I do not want to pay to get scared. Being scared is not entertainment for me. No.
0: I don't know what this says about me, especially with how much of a control freak I am. This, to me, goes against that. But I actually like haunted houses, but definitely not alone.
1: What the fuck is wrong with you?
0: (laughs) Definitely not alone. I need someone to hold on to. But there's something about that thrill of being scared because I know it's not real.
1: See, no. I would much rather have the thrill of being scared of, like, adrenaline from skydiving. I would so much rather go skydiving than go into a haunted house.
0: Okay, actually, same. Like, I mean, if that's our comparison, I really want to go skydiving. Mama's gonna definitely text us, especially because I'm saying this. She's gonna text us and be like, you're not allowed to go skydiving. And we will respond and say, we'll go and then let you know how it was. And she'll be so mad.
1: I won't go bungee jumping. Bungee jumping freaks me out.
0: The rocks, man. All that bungee has to do is yeah. snap. Which honestly, we're
1: t- Well and also just the natural like the flicking you back up. Oh fuck no. Talk about breaking I wanna your go neck in the down air. and then I'll I'll pull my chute or you know, I'll have the expert who's literally like tied to me pull the shoot. has to say,
0: you're not pulling your own fucking shoot, dude.
1: And uh, then I'm fine. Yeah, I'm totally down for that shit. Yeah. I want to go sky... Oh, I can't do that because everything's closed. I want to go skydiving for my birthday.
0: You know, and when you are tied... I
1: can social distance six miles in the air, right?
0: Not from the person you're strapped to.
1: Well, I'll have them wear a
0: mask. <laughs> That's going to fly off in the, in the air. <laughs> also, you will probably... Yeah. Do you wear a mask? No? You just close your mouth because bugs and who only knows what you could get in your mouth what if you
1: landed on a bird
0: dude you land on your feet
1: no i mean like while you're falling you hit a bird
0: okay you don't land in the middle of the air so pick your verbs correctly uh
1: okay well what regardless i want to go skydiving i don't want to hit a bird or a well i don't want to hit a bird i don't want to eat a bug i do want to go skydiving <laughs> whenever i'm allowed to so, you know what? that Listeners, y'all are going to hold us to this. Maybe not this summer because of everything going on, but maybe next birthday I'm going to go skydiving and I want y'all to hold me to it.
0: Can I go with you? Sure. Because isn't there the place that's like in between Waco and Dallas? In the field? Yeah,
1: there's the skydiving place. Yeah. I would want to go to a skydiving place where the view would be, like, more interesting than, like, wow, farms <laughs> from above. But, you know, okay.
0: All right, well, fine, don't invite me. It sounded like you didn't want me to go, but I want to go skydiving too. No, though.
1: I think I, I w- <laughs> I think that would be fun. You should come. But if it's for my birthday, I'm just saying maybe you're paying for both of us.
0: All right, I'll start saving up.
1: Okay. Um. Anywho... We're not talking about that. We're talking about this episode that I will not have to pick the topic for next episode.
0: True story. I will pick it. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, our two-year anniversary, still can't believe it's been two years. Same. (laughs) Be sure to hop on over to Apple Podcasts. And give us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if there are things you really want to hear. Um, we, We love reading these reviews. You guys brighten our days every time we read them. So thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for reviewing.
1: Absolutely. And while you're doing that, make sure to like and follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can follow us there, see pictures of all our wines, everything that we're doing. So, um, yeah. And with that, this is Blood and Wine signing off.
0: XOXO. Bye, you guys. Bye.